0: business, leadership, high performance, the journey. Hey everybody, welcome and we have a fantastic episode today. Uh, My guest today is Larry Levine out of the Los Angeles area Uh, and Larry is a best-selling author of the book Selling from the Heart and the co-host of the Selling from the Heart podcast as well. Uh, In a post-trust sales world, Larry Levine helps sales teams leverage the power of authenticity to grow revenue, grow themselves, and enhance the lives of their clients. Larry's coached sales professionals across the world, all the way from tenured reps to new millennials entering the sales force. And the unique thing about Larry is all the professionals he works with greatly appreciate the practical, real, raw, relevant, and relatable and street-savvy nature of his coaching. Um, which will definitely come through in today's episode here. Uh, Larry is definitely not shy when it comes to delivering his message. And in a a world full of empty suits, he's passionate about helping sales reps succeed by helping them uncover their true value before they get visible. So Larry's leading a revolution of authenticity, integrity, and substance in the sales profession, and excited to have Larry on the show today. So welcome, Larry Levine.
1: Patrick, what's happening? This is so good. Thank you for having me on.
0: <laughs> hey, you bet. You were one of uh, one of the first people I thought of when I think of real, raw, and an incredible story of getting to where you are today.
1: Oh uh, no, I, I appreciate it. It's the only way I know how to be. Is I just get to the point, and I have no problem sharing what's on my mind nor on my heart.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it, and I think that is. I think that's definitely missing in our society today. I think you see a lot of. Uh, I think you see a lot of phonies. I think you see a lot of this uh, influence-type personalities uh, that come through, and uh, people are looking for real. I love what you do, and, and I'm excited to dive into it here today with you.
1: No, I, you know, I appreciate it, and and it's so interesting. Um, I just want to touch on real just for real quick. Hey, you like that? I'd like to touch on real real quick. How'd you like that one? Is <laughs> I, I just think with the uh, with the advent of social right I'm not here to bash social by no means none whatsoever and I just keep social I'll kind of put those in parent you know in quotes is it's just become a breeding ground for people leading a life that may or may not align to what they really are face to face and you know I, I share this because It's so easy to connect with people, right? Just, I mean, think about this, you know, Patrick, how you and I connected, right? It's so easy for people to connect, but it's been difficult for people to truly connect Mm -hmm. because every everyone everyone, right, is holding judgment against somebody else, or they're putting up a facade, or 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 they're saying things that they think people want to hear, as opposed to just letting it loose, right? And that's why I said when I was in sales and what I do now, you get what you get with me. I, just, I don't hold back, and I just share what's on my mind. But that's the, that's the real part of this, is I think if you're going to get to know somebody, I don't care what career you're in, if, you, if you're going to truly get to know, let's say, your customers or your marketplace or your centers of influence, then just be real. Be real with yourself and be real with the people you come in contact with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's always ironic when people talk about you know like like filters on social media, and I think you know the idea of a filter is to strip away things and show um, what's really there. You know, and the reality is filters actually cover up the real person. You know, whether it's a picture, whether it may be whatever. But um, yeah, I hear you on the social media piece. That is for sure. So. Well, Larry, yeah. Uh, Larry and I, just uh, for for our listeners, Larry and I connected over LinkedIn a while back. I know we have some common connections up in this area as well with some different salespeople, some CEOs and such, but uh, I'm super excited to get into his story uh, because he has a fascinating one um, and one of a true metamorphosis, but not one that you would, one that's uh, definitely not typical in the fact that it happens so much later in life. And uh, Larry's going to dive into that in detail for us, but... Uh, yeah, Originally from Thousand Oaks, California, uh, I know, Larry, the first time we talked, you said you grew up in the concrete jungle, which is uh, quite a difference from here in the Midwest.
1: Oh, you, you know, it, it's. I always I share with people, my idea of quiet is not what your idea of quiet is, right, Patrick? My <laughs> idea of, of quiet is just you know, walking around downtown LA. That That's kind of quiet for me, even, even though it's chaotic, but yeah, I spent, gosh... 28, 29 years in the office technology channel, all in Los Angeles, and and that's why you know I always refer to it as the concrete jungle. But that's what I grew that's what I grew up with. with. I grew up in the hustle and bustle, and, and the and the fast paced world. And and even even in a laggard, backward sales channel that I grew up in. I still made it work for one simple reason. And and I came out of a chaotic sales channel, right? The office technology channel, otherwise known as I sold copiers my whole entire career. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Is what made what I think made me different than everybody else is I was willing to dig in deep. I was willing to do the things that many in sales. Weren't doing. And yeah, you know, I grew up in a concrete jungle. I sold copiers in one of the most competitive markets in the United States. But what made me different was my ability to, and I always said I had a sixth sense. I was really cognizant of my surroundings, Patrick, and not, not where like I eavesdropped on things, but it was like that sixth sense. I was aware of you know how people treated their customers. I was, I was aware of how the bullpens were operating. And I learned early on in my career that if I was going to stand out, if I was going to stand out and, and be different, then I had to do a couple of things. I had to really get to know who I was. And I had to really understand it. And then the second thing is, is I just had to deliver what my customers wanted. And that's what I did. I was willing to ask the questions that many in sales were not willing to ask. And that was, you know, what do you like? What do you don't like about salespeople? What's a great experience? What's a horrible experience? You know, when, when's the last time you had a really great wow moment from a sales rep? you mm-hmm. where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. And I just, and I, and I just kept parlaying that. And what, what was interesting, I just, I just wrote an article about it around curiosity and I learned this on early on in my career. I was always asking questions. I was always asking why because I held myself to a higher degree of standard than many in sales were willing to hold themselves to because I was on dysfunctional sales teams with dysfunctional sales managers And I said, you know what, if I'm going to succeed in sales, then I have to do something different. And I became my own sales manager. I write about it and selling from the heart. I held myself to a high degree of standards, a high degree of accountability, and I paid attention to my professional growth. And I also paid attention to my professional growth with my clients because I knew that the more that I grew with them, right, the more that I knew about them, the more that I grow with them. The more that I'd learn from them, the more that I would earn from them. It's just little things, and that's what I did for gosh, 28, 29 years in the copier channel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, and I know before we before we dive back kind of into your past, Larry, of, of growing up in some of the some of the challenges and pivots and things you've made. I know you mentioned and the big idea that you push is the idea of empty suits, and I'm super super intrigued yep. by that. And I know and I want to dive into that a little bit first with our listeners of. Uh, You know, regarding sales, a big myth, a big misconception out there is, you know, all salespeople are sleazy. They're used car salesmen. Um, It's funny because this morning I literally had a conversation with someone about uh, the used car salesman. You know, that picturesque salesperson with their hair slicked back and telling you what you want to hear and such. But um, give a listeners just a bit of an idea of what, what is an empty suit when you refer to that.
1: Yeah, no, oh, it, I I love it. It's, it's probably one of the most favorite chapters in Selling from the Heart, and it's the last chapter where I, I kind of tie this all together. And I just want to preface this, Patrick. I, I'm not here to cast disrespect or a big dark cloud over sales because I'm a sales geek at heart. But when i when i push the button with empty suits is conjuring that picture of people's heads right and by the way i will I, I will i'm gonna hit this one head on the sales world's done it to themselves i will tell you that right now is when i when i say empty suits it's to say hey listen people if you're not educating your customers if you're not educating the buyer if you're not engaging with them if you're not bringing passion and purpose to what you do. If you're not exciting these people into a conversation, then first of all, they look at you as that prototypical sales rep. You got nothing there, right? Yeah. Absolutely. All style, no all, all, all style, no substance. I, I'm a big believer in that. And it's, you know, I always say a picture casts a thousand words. So when you see a picture of an empty suit, all of a sudden you go, Oh, right. But when that empty suit can come to life, and right now, it's coming to life throughout the freaking sales world because we've made it all about us, right? And and in the last chapter, selling from the heart, you know, I, I put a bow on it with a with a manifesto as I bring the last chapter about being an empty suit to life. I said, hey, listen, when we when we lead with our wallet and not our heart, people smell it. People smell that prototypical salespeople person, right? And whether many in sales believe it or not, the buyers and your customers are a lot smarter than most people think they are. They smell emptiness. And what's, what's really interesting is we mask all of this, right? We mask all this with fancy suits, right? And I always say Armani suits, Rolex watches, and fancy cars mask insecurity.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: I mean, heck, I, I drive around, I'll tell you, I drive around in a 2008 Honda Civic Coupe. I love it, right? I'm as simple as simple gets. That stuff just doesn't faze me. But I said, you know, conversely, what would it mean like to not be an empty suit? Mm -hmm. To me, being not being an empty suit is you're there, right? In good times, bad times. You give a rip about your customers. Yeah, and that's you bring substance and sincerity to the forefront. And that's just something, right? And and quite frankly, your your listeners and some salespeople are gonna go, Larry, you're full of crap, right? That's not me. And I go, Well that's fine, but perception's reality, right? We live it and I and I push the button on this. We have to we have to overcome the negative perception of so many in sales. And I'm not saying all salespeople are like this, and I think you get it, Patrick. But what I am saying is let's just take a step back, right? If we all can agree first impressions matter and perception's reality then how are you taking care of some of your most precious assets, which are your customers? Mm-hmm. If you're not doing anything to engage with them, serve up the best version of yourself, serve up your network, serve up ideas, serve up insight, bring education to the forefront to help them do better business and continually do expand on that relationship and nurture it and grow it and really uncover things that are going on in that office and help them solve issues, whether you can help or not. That's the key to being successful. That's what people want. And when you fail to do this on a consistent basis, they look at you as you're empty, right? You're not bringing anything to the forefront. So what I always kept to the forefront of my mind, and I ask your listeners to think about the same thing, is if you're not serving all of this up to your to your customers, your potential customers, then why should they invest in you? Why should they turn over their hard-earned corporate dollars to you? Just for you to just right, I always say this. There's lots of kings and queens out there in the sales world that turn into frogs the minute they make a sale and cash their commission check.
2: Mhm. Yeah,
0: it's it's about so much more than sales, you know, like you said it's about it's about true, deep relationships. And I think people are craving that more than ever uh, now, especially, you know, as we're recording this, it's end of September, uh, mid COVID pandemic and such with things kind of heating up again. And, you know, people want real, people want relationships uh, because that piece has really been missing. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think a lot of people fail to realize that, you know, people are going to buy things either way and a salesman is going to sell them a product service, whatever it may be, either way. But, you know, a business, a person, they want to work with somebody that's going to offer more than that. It's about more than just a product or service. It's about that relationship. It's about going above and beyond. It's about it's about asking, hey, how can I help you guys more than just what I'm providing or selling you?
1: you know, I, I full-on agree, and, and I talk a lot, and, and I push the message out there around transactional and transformational. And there's so many conversations right now occurring in sales that are transactional in nature. And I always say you get what you get, right? I always say a great transactional conversation is replaced by another transactional conversation that's a little bit better than the one that you did. Mm -hmm. A transactional relationship is replaced by somebody else who comes along, who engages in a transactional manner a little bit different. And you, I, as I was listening to what you're saying, and you said a word that's near and dear to me, Patrick, which is relationships. And th- there's going to be some doubters out there that are going to say, Larry, right? You know what? I'm not, I'm not here to make friends, right? I'm, not, I, I'm here to sell things. Well, guess what? There's fine. I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to push the button out there on what you, what you should do or what you shouldn't do. I'm just offering up ideas and what made me, me. But I think more than, more than anything else, it's what your customers crave. Mm-hmm. Your customers crave deep, meaningful relationships. They want to know that if I'm going to turn over my hard and corporate dollars to you, you're going to take care of me. So that, that's why a lot of times I, I'll, I'll, I'll push the message out there when people say, hey, relationships matter. Well, if relationships matter, then what are you doing to invest in those relationships, especially if you're in sales? And, and, and I say this for a reason. Because I believe in my heart that the relationships that many people have with their customers what they think those relationships are Patrick may or may not be what the customer thinks they are and and quite frankly they've never asked right
2: mm-hmm. I'll
1: give you a case in point this was just a few weeks ago I'm on a leader I was um, I invested an hour in into a leadership roundtable with a friend of mine who had like eight to ten solo entrepreneurs, small business owners that they get together with once a month. And they'd ask for me to to join in. I started talking about selling from the heart of the leadership level and so forth. But this this was interesting, and this is just to prove a point here, Patrick, is we go around the table. We started around the virtual roundtable. I started to say, you know, what are one or two things, right? What are one or two things that's of, of top mind to you, right? What are you concerned about over the last 30, 60, 90 days? What's the last four months of the year look like? Things like that. And it got to the president of this organization, and he goes, hey, you know something, Larry? He goes, I have great relationships with my customers. They know us. They like us. They trust us. And I said, interesting. And I inserted his name. And I said, hey, listen, I'm not here to doubt it, right? I know you have great relationships. I, there's no doubt in my mind you have great relationships with your customers, and they know, like, and trust you. But as the president of your organization, when's the last time that you thanked your customers for allowing you to serve them? When's the last time that you've gone face-to-face, if they could, depending on the situation at hand, or a virtual face-to-face, and say, hey, you know what? What's the value that we've been bringing to your organization? Furthermore, what's our business relationship look like? You see where I'm going with this, Patrick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 I say, and, and I say this for one reason. In sales, one of your most precious assets are your customers. It's the relationships. It's the deep, meaningful connections that you build with them. If you're not investing in that relationship, y'all will never be able to collect on it. That's why, you know, if, if relationships matter, you have to do something about it. You always have to be digging in. You have to bring curiosity and with full intention to your customers. If not, right, somebody else is going to come along and love on your customers more than you are. And then what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know
0: one, th- one thing I always tell um potential clients, you know, in working with small businesses and such, I always, you know, when I always present my 90-minute meeting to them and give them all the info and uh, everything they need, I, you know, they always ask, you know, what's one of the big differentiators um, uh, that, that, you, that you present compared to, you know, somebody similar? And I always say, you know, one of the biggest things is I want to form a very, very personal relationship with the people that I work with. You know, I want to know the names of your kids. I want to know what your interests are. You know, and I love to follow up on those kinds of things because it is—it is so—it is so so much relationship-based. That is for sure.
1: You're spot on with that, and and I would share. You know, if if people want to build right, if people want to build deep connections with their customers, they have to bring care and compassion to the forefront. They got to truly give a rip. And giving a rip, I can replace it with another word, but I'll just choose to say (laughs) give a rip, right? You can understand what the other word means. But you gotta truly give a rip about your customers. You gotta give a rip about yourself. And you gotta bring compassion to the forefront. And here's what's interesting for anyone who's doubting, right? Or is going, Larry, this is way too mushy gushy for me. I have a hard time grasping this. That's okay, right? But I promise you this. If you went face-to-face, belly-to-belly, virtual face-to-face, and virtual belly-to-belly in some instances, and if you asked your customers what do they really want and you listen, I promise you this, they will share what we've been speaking about with you.
0: Oh, and you, you use the magic word right there too, Larry, the L word, just listen. You know, I think I think I think so many salespeople get caught up in that idea of I need to sell, 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 sell. Show you everything that has all the the bells, whistles, all that stuff. When it's just, it should be the opposite. It should be tell me what you want, tell me what you need, tell me what you're looking for. You know, if you want to a find the right solution for your customer because that should be number one. But then, you know, that's truly also what develops that trust and rapport immediately off the bat. Is if you just go in with an open mind, be yourself and just listen to what, what's important to a customer. You know, it's no different than any other relationship that you form in, with anybody else in your life.
1: No, absolutely. And and so a couple things playing off of listening is so interesting is many in sales listen to respond instead of listen to learn. And, you know, here we are in this socially connected, digitally driven, mobily empowered society that we all live in, right? Listening for me, listening's the new prospecting listening is the new conversation starter but i you know i'll, I'll for i'll further lay it out there said hey man we gotta listen we gotta listen right to what's going on out there we gotta listen with our ears and hear with our heart how do you like that one patrick i love it
0: yeah yeah so 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 true and um Obviously, Larry. You know, I want to shift gears here and get back to the beginning a little bit because obviously, you once upon a time were we're not in this mindset. This isn't how you sold, correct?
1: No, it, I mean it wasn't, and and I had and I had to learn this the hard way. So I started my sales career, Patrick, the tail end of '87, beginning '88. So I've just basically dated myself, right? So it's it's all good, right? But. You know, I, I, I grew up in a world prior to the Internet, right, prior to all the fancy tools that we have today, is I grew up with the phone, and that was it, right? Mm-hmm. If I wanted to learn anything about somebody, I would get my butt to the library and uncover it, right?
2: Yep.
0: Here's your, here's your cold call list, Larry. Let her rip, man.
1: Right. So I, I, I mean, literally, I grew up in a world where I had to make, and, and, and what's so interesting is this world still exists, sad to say, this world freaking still exists today. I grew up in a world where I had to be out of the office by nine, I had to come back by four, I had to make 50 to 60 cold calls every single day, and then I had to come back, I had to show my business cards to my sales manager, who was an absolute turd, right? And then I had to, <laughs> and I had to start pounding the phones. And it's that old school stuff, right? Everybody uses that term, old school. That's just the way it was. It was hard nosed sales training. Now, quite frankly, some of that I know still exists today.
0: Yep. So, so you, but so you started out. I mean, in a whole different world, obviously compared to where we are now with technology and everything, uh, but more so just the relationships piece. So, what? So, bring me back kind of the to the beginning of your sales career, Larry, and what? Take me kind of through it, and when and why did that big shift occur?
1: I think the, um, the big, <laughs> oh boy, so once upon a time, Patrick, right? Um, no, it, it was the first year. It was the—I always say the first year was the best year of my life. It was the worst year of my life. I mean, I made—I mean, full disclosure—I made eighteen thousand dollars my first year, nineteen, my first full year, nineteen eighty-eight, right? I made commission checks more than that afterwards, right? Yep. But that's just the, you know, I'm just sharing this to, 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 to kind of peel the story back a little bit. When I say it was the worst time of my life is because it was, I worked in a very toxic sales environment with a toxic sales manager, trained the old way, just get out of the office when you find something, I'll go out on an appointment, right? So for your listeners, some of you, some of us can relate to that. But the best part of it is, and I think it goes back to how I was raised, Patrick. So just to just to give you an idea and to give your listeners an idea, I was I was, uh, and I love my parents to death, by the way. Is and they're both still alive. Is my dad was a retired rocket scientist for the United States Air Force.
0: A legit rocket scientist.
1: A legit rocket scientist. <laughs> so he he had a. It, 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 it only gets worse man let me tell you he he had a he had a phd in aeronautical physics from two ivy league schools by the time he was 20 guy graduated high school at 15 and a half wow and, th- and that's what i had to grow up with my dad right It's book smart just a complete brainiac i was the complete polar opposite hated school hated everything about it we won't go down that road but You get the picture, right? That's that's why I always say book book smart, street stupid, street smart, book stupid. That was, we're complete polar opposites. But how I was raised really set me up in my first year in sales because school was really difficult for me. I just wanted the answers just so I could move on, right? So when I would come home and, and start doing my homework and when my dad would come home, if I had questions, I say, dad, just tell me the answer, right? No, no, no. We're going to sit down. We're going to work through this. Every day, you know, he instilled that in me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, it was, and it was that mindset and how I was raised that I took that over into sales. Is I was raised with certain non-negotiables. And not to say that I grew up in a really strict household. I love my parents. But they raised me the exact same way they were raised, right? Where school came first and you had to do certain things and they were non-negotiable. And non-negotiable when I was in school, which meant that when I came home, my homework, I had to start working on my homework. When it was, and then I had to finish it. If I had questions when my dad came home, we would work through it. There were certain non-negotiables. Well, I took that mindset to sales. And I learned that the first year because I came out of a really bad environment. The first year I said, man, I'm not learning that much. You know, I'd go on write with salespeople and things like that. But then I'm learning the shortcuts, right, through everything. I go, man, I really love sales. If I'm going to stand out and just see a mediocrity, and I learned that in my early 20s. I, I shared with you early on in our, in our conversation. I was really cognizant of my surroundings. I paid attention to the bullpen. I paid attention when I went on ride-outs, the questions people were asking and, and forth or not asking. I saw how they're interacting and so forth, and I go, man, i got to do something completely polar different. And that's what I did. I remember it took me, gosh, three, four months to make my first sale. And when I made my first sale, I remember it as plain as day, you know, I've, I'm in my early twenties then. No one taught me any this. It's just, I, I think it was just, I always say, you're, you know, your product of how you're raised. I always say, just to stick up for salespeople, just for a quick second, I always say your salespeople are a product in the environments they're raised in just to get that analogy. But because I was was raised in a household where we ask questions, we work through things, right? And we had to figure things out. We were curious. I brought that same approach to sales. And I remember my very first sale I made, I remember asking them, why did you choose to buy from me besides, you know, laughing it off, besides you felt sorry for me? Just to get that (laughs) off the table is – you know, why did you buy from me? What made you? What were the decisions? Why me? What are you looking for? Right. Anything you can do to help me out. And here's what I learned. They go, you did stuff complete. And I and I really wasn't aware of it. Right. You, They go, you did stuff completely polar opposite than everybody else. You made it about us. Right. You were asking questions because you wanted to learn something about us. Here I'm going with this, Patrick.
0: Yeah, and and I know, in, and, and I know in your book, uh, in your book, Larry, in, in selling from the heart, you talk about that inquisitiveness and that curiosity. You said that was kind of bred into you at home. Um, was it your mom? Was it your dad? How, where did that true, true curiosity of just listening to people and uh, seeking to find those answers? Where do you think that really came
1: from? That from my dad. Um, because, um, you know, and, and still to this day, right, my dad's still got an inquisitive, curious learning mindset. Was it just the intellect
0: of that guy? Because obviously, you know, I, your, I, your dad's I, a rocket
1: you know, scientist. I, I, <laughs> I, well, I think it was the intellect, right? And I, and I always say, man, I, I mean, I think my dad's one of the smartest freaking guys I, I know. And I go, there's, there's just no way, you know, I, I mean, when we relate, I mean, we relate on a completely different field on a playing field, but there was things that I noticed about him and how he raised me. Right. I think that's what, that's what set me on, on my course throughout my whole sales career is I look back on how I was raised. I go, man, my dad, right. Nurtured us to be inquisitive, to always be learning, right. To ask great questions. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Sure. I'm going with this. Mm-hmm, it, yeah. it's, it, it, it's the it's the little things, right?
0: Yeah. One one of my favorite yeah, quotes one of my favorite quotes, Larry, of all time is, you know, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotting, you know, and you're and you're always green and growing when you are asking questions, when you are seeking those whys, you know, when when you're asking those questions of, of the world and, and the people around you. You know, that's that's where you where you truly grow and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck in their identity too and maybe um, put on that false facade also because uh, they get stuck because they they really stop asking a lot of those questions, more so about themselves than
1: anything. Well, absolutely, and that's why why I wrote Selling from the Heart in the way that I wrote it, especially the first three, four chapters. It's all about doing the inner work. I worked harder on myself than anybody else did, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I was, I I worked harder on me. I held myself to a higher degree of accountability than any manager I ever had in 28 plus years in sales. I held myself to a higher degree of standards when I worked with my customers, because I knew that the most salespeople crap on their customers, unfortunately. And that most salespeople have that love them and leave them mentality, Right. They're their best friends and they love them to death until they sign the agreement. They cash their commission check and they ride off into the fricking sunset. Hence the empty suits. And then and then they go back three four months later. Hey Patrick, how's it going? Right, hey Bud. You go, dude. Where you been for the last three <laughs> or four months? Right. <laughs> or the only time that you hear from them is when you have an issue or a question or. Right when they want to try to sell you something. That's yeah, when it's, always, when it's time know, to sign back I, I, up, Larry.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. And I, I, I always I love throwing this out to sales leaders, sales managers, salespeople. Doesn't matter. When's the last time you've had a conversation with one of your customers? A deep, meaningful conversation with one of your customers that didn't involve trying to sell them something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or do a little bit of a small talk, so then you can try to sell them something think about
0: that one for a second. Yeah. Just, just check in on them. Just check in, see how things are going. You know, yeah. That personal connection. Larry, like you said, the first year of selling was obviously a huge, huge learning experience. You said it was your best, your best year, your worst year. So where did things really go from there? I mean, to where, where you eventually grew into making a big transition. And, and I'm, and you can, you can kind of lead up to the big happening that happened when you were uh, 50. So take us through that a little yeah.
1: bit. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a big believer that you have aha moments throughout your whole journey in life, right? Whether you're in sales or any, inside of any professional career. We, owe, we have reinventing moments all the time, whether we, whether we want to believe it or not, right? So obviously my first reinvention was my first year in the office technology business, right? Mm -hmm. I learned a lot the first year and I had to transform myself and I was still in my early twenties creating my persona and how I wanted to walk, talk and breathe in the sales world. Well then my second aha transformation moment happened about five, five and a half years later. And it was right around my son who's now 26 years old. Uh, He was born two weeks later. I had, An aha moment, right? I found out the company I was working for was going to sell to a bigger organization. I didn't want to be a part of it. So I quit on the spot. Literally, Patrick, quit on the spot. Mm -hmm. And I remember having, I remember coming home and I tell my wife I just quit my job. And she goes, right? She inserted a bunch of nasty words. (laughs) And then she goes, you know, our son's two weeks old. I said, I totally get it. Trust me on this one. I will find a better situation. And a couple days later, I walked into a brand new situation. I was the first employee, first salesperson in a brand new startup company in the office technology space, right? So how many people would go into a brand new situation with no customers, no anything? Not very many, right? But again, I doubled down on myself. I took my first five years plus in sales and how I held myself to a higher degree of standard. I doubled down on myself. And I parlayed that into a 19, almost 20-year career with the same company. And inside that, I reinvented myself along the way probably two or three times. And when I say reinvent, we can throw in transformation and all that because it goes back to if you want to succeed, and I I write about it in Selling from the Heart, there's a difference between being a sales rep and a sales professional.
0: Yes, and I I love that when I was looking through that part because it's all about – Sharing the successes and the testimonials and the success stories that are actually right. actually present.
1: Right. So I, I say this because over that 20-year journey inside that same company, I started off as the first employee, first salesperson. I worked my way up. I bought myself into the company. We expanded through Southern California, right? I was a business partner. I was running their major account division. I was their top salesperson. It, was, it started to become a little bit dysfunctional. But I made it work, right? But then I I made it work for 19, almost 20 years until it was time for me to part. But I I, I share the whole transformation and reinvention because I'd like the sales world and I'd like the professional world. Just to hear me out on this is we got to always be learning and we got to always be growing and we always have to be reinventing ourselves for one simple reason. Our surroundings and everything else is rapidly changing around us. And if we don't, we're going to get left behind. And what I saw in sales was I saw this that people were just not willing to try new things. Thus, they would never grow. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think and you know
0: I was, you know, the thing, the thing, that? the thing I've seen Larry in individuals um, when I used to do a lot of one-on-one high-performance coaching was. I think I think a lot of people are missing that balance and especially fulfillment in their life more than anything because they have stopped growing because they've stopped being curious about themselves and they've and they aren't fearless, you know. Where I think you you were on the flip side of that where you were always willing to, or maybe not always, but at least um, at that point in your career where you were willing to take on those new things, those new challenges, and it was just like you said, uh, maybe not so much a, a reinvention, but really just metamorphosizing into the next phase of your life uh not just professionally but personally as well i would imagine
1: well yeah but, but here, here's the interesting thing patrick is i'm not a am not so much a personal risk taker as i am a business risk taker interesting and 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 that's that's what that's what blows my mind right so um I have a lot of my friends who are adrenaline junkies, right? They're risk takers in their personal life. I'm not, I'm I'm real conservative when it comes to my personal life. Right. And, and the risks I take and so forth. But when it's really interesting, but when it comes to business, I'm never afraid to try new things. Never. And that, and, and it's really interesting, but that's just, it's worked for me. Some people are going to go, Larry, you're, full, you're, you're weird, right? You're a box of rocks on that one. But I go, but you know what? I was like that in sales. I was always willing to try new things as a sales professional in order to grow and in order to stay what I call on top of the totem pole, right? I wanted to be leading out in front instead of watching people from behind. And that's how I led my life in my sales career. and That's what I do now.
0: Mhm. Awesome. Oh, I love it. So I mean, uh, many many decades in copier sales, correct?
1: Yep. Twenty eight years. So that, I mean, that's
0: that's an old school industry, Larry.
1: Oh my gosh. It, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it's it's so it's so interesting. It provided very well for my family. I'm not here to slam it by no means, Patrick. But it, it's just so interesting that. I always say 1990s are alive and well in most sales channels right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have it, – it, it's like the way they grew, it's like all of a sudden they stop and they go, okay, we became successful using these tools and all that, so we'll just continue using those same tools. Yeah. Well, that, guess what? You, you get left in the dust in a world that's ever-changing.
0: Yeah, if you fail to and adapt, so we,
1: especially we, in sales. We, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And 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 here's here, here's the misalignment part of all of this, right? Whether that be the sales channel that I came out of, which is the office technology channel, or you name any, you know, insert any other channel name, is it, it's so interesting how many are talking about digital transformation, or they're talking about we'll transform your workplace environment, we'll transform how you whatever with some software whiz bang. And I go, isn't it interesting that they talk about it, but yet they have a hard time transforming themselves and some of their go-to-market strategies, right? But they'll talk a great game, but the talk doesn't match the walk. Mm-hmm. If you get what I'm cooking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how, how I always say, you know, how can you, how can anybody in sales or in any career, right, look their customers in the eyes and talk about? This is how you you know. Here's some ideas to help you do better business. If you're not willing to transform yourself, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. How you, does it, that work? Yeah, yeah. Giving giving
0: the advice that you aren't taking yourself—that's for sure.
1: Right. It, 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 it's a re, it's, it's not a very good recipe for success, my opinion.
2: Yeah,
0: and and like you like you alluded to earlier, Larry, uh, alluded to earlier, Larry. You know, people can see through that. People will see through that very, very quickly that um, that you're stuck. You know, you're stuck in the way that you do things. You're stuck in how you how you deal with people, how you communicate. And they're going to find the people that don't do it that way and that, that are that are playing the game in a new way.
1: Oh, I, I know, and, and, you know, and I'm an alliteration freak, so everything's got to start with the same letter, but that's just my sickness that I have. But what, what's interesting is... You know, how many people out there now when they connect to somebody can deliver their message with clarity? They can deliver their message in a concise manner with conviction, right? And I'll layer on top of it enthusiasm, passion, purpose with intention, right? I get fired up when I talk about stuff like this. How many salespeople get fired up talking about the things they sell? Mm -hmm. Not very many, Patrick. Yeah, just having. And that's
0: a, sad. Yeah, just like you said, just having a passion for it, and I think you know I see that all the time, Larry, too, in just organizations. Of, it's not just the sales problem. I think the salesperson's problem. I think it's an entire organizational problem of not knowing who you truly are. What's your vision? What's your long-term goal? Where you're really going with things? Um, you know, and if you don't know that as a company, you sure as hell aren't going to be able to sell it to anybody or the product or service that you
1: have related to it. No, no, spot on, because w- one of my biggest things I like, go, oh, if you look at it, um, if you look at leadership today, business executives, right, at the, at that C level, they're visionary people, right? When, when they all get together, th- they're discussing where to take their company six months down the road a year from now, right? Mm-hmm. And salespeople need to take that same approach. And that's why I'm a big believer, leaders cast vision. Well, guess what? I believe salespeople are leaders. Sales professionals are leaders.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're not just selling a product. You know, you're selling, like no. you said, you're selling them the future because whatever you're selling right. should be progressing that company. So if you can't help them have a clearer vision of where whatever you're selling is going to take them to, um, that's going to be a problem.
1: Right. Because I always say, you know, what's your vision, right? I always ask salespeople, you know, what's your vision? Where do you see the business world at? You know, if, if you ask any, if you ask the executives out there, what's your company's vision? You know, where, where do you see things six to 10 to 12 months from now? You're probably going to get an answer, right, Patrick? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're not going to see, right, as 2020 has been some challenging, turbulent times. We all know that. Now, maybe in the very beginning, you saw executives sitting around boardrooms virtually, right, going, oh, my God, what just happened and things like that, as did everybody. But guess what? Then they started to buckle down and double down and say, "Okay, what's our business look like? You know, what's the rest of 2020 going to look like? What's 2021 going to look like? See where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. And if executives can do that, my challenge to the sales world is you all can do the same thing. But unfortunately, you got a lot of salespeople have just sat around the virtual water cooler for most of 2020 talking about how bad things are instead of double downing on themselves and being inquisitive and being curious and learning and growing and all that. You've got a lot of stagnant, complacent salespeople out there. And that's why I said, you know, if there's anything that I've seen in 2020, there's a cavernous gap, Grand Canyon-esque in nature between a sales rep and a sales professional and 2020's just exposed it. Mm -hmm. It's just exposed that the sales world can do a whole lot better than they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my challenge to the sales world.
0: Yeah, I have definitely seen that in the companies that that I work with as well. You know, um, like you mentioned, COVID has definitely exposed the worst of the worst, you know, and it's really shown where the cracks, the gaps, the weaknesses are in organizations. And, you know, what I've seen in the companies that I work with, Larry, is the companies that have really doubled down on the sales piece and really kept pushing the marketing, the uh the sales process the relationship just upkeeping on the relationship through all of it those companies have come out of this thing roaring
1: oh dude hands hand down and and here, here's the interesting part of this and I, I will I will share with people and this is this is I'm being massively sincere with this I said you know what covid right not to go down the covid rabbit hole track Patrick but I'm a firm believer that covid. Was the best thing that happened to many in their sales career and to many businesses for one, for a few reasons, and I'll tell you why. It was the biggest reset button out there. It caused mm-hmm. people right now. I'll throw a bunch of re words out there. It, it, it caused people and organizations to reset. Right. It caused you know salespeople and their companies to reengage, reconnect. Right. Get reacquainted with their customers. Recommit. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever other re words you want to use, you know, that tack onto that, and it's and it's those organizations and it's those salespeople that double down on themselves, their organizations, their companies. Now, I want to layer in the soft skills behind this because it, it, it's my I, I talk a lot about you know in a, in a post trust sales world, right? The, the thing that salespeople have going against them is people just don't trust them, and rightfully so, right?
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: one of the most non-trustworthy you know, professions that's out there, and that's sad. But if, here we are in this post-trust sales world where people are skeptical about everything salespeople have to say, and their bullcrap meters are sky high, right? So we have to deal with that. Now we have to layer on top of that. We're going to push through this pandemic, and we all know things will get better. So now, how do you have to walk, talk, and breathe in a post-trust and a post-virus sales world? Well, guess what? If there's anything that I've noticed throughout 2020, it's how much compassion, empathy, love, caring is being thrown out there. Amazes. It's, it's just like it warms my heart. You know, words like genuine, real, authentic, care, compassion, loving, those words have been thrown around a lot, but it's those It's those companies, it's those salespeople that take that to heart and re-engage with their customers. It's the soft skills, it's the compassion, the caring, the love, the respect, the appreciation that you bring to your customers will forever change the course of those relationships. That's what I'd encourage people to think about now as we push through, right, as we're recording this, as we push through into the last 90 days of 2020, Right now, mark my word, it's how sales teams, it's how businesses have taken care of their customers during COVID that they'll remember. They will not remember all the great times in 2019. They're not going to remember everything that happened up until, you know, when the world turned upside down. But what they will remember is how you made them feel Mm -hmm. and what you did to help them through 2020. And I always say this stuff's not rocket science. It's not, right? It's definitely not rocket science. It's the little things. You must consistently do the little things. Hey, do you mind? Now I'm getting fired up. Can I share a quick story?
0: <laughs> absolutely, Larry.
1: <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to take you and, and your listeners back in time. I love my wife. I absolutely love my wife. And I love my three kids. Love them to death. And I love my in-laws. I love my parents. My in-laws, I will tell you this. My mother-in-law. It's from Mississippi. My father-in-law's from Oklahoma. They are just good old people, rednecks to the bones and very proud of it. Right. And I, and I remember this goes back. I was dating. We, my wife and I were dating at the time and her parents knew it was starting to get serious. And still to this day, still to this day, my mother-in-law still calls me boy. Right. She knows my name, but it's like <laughs> it, it must be a southern thing. Right. Makes you feel like young. She says, oh, <laughs> she goes, boy. Right. She still does. They calls me boy with her <laughs> Mississippi accent that I just won't even pretend <laughs> to do. But I but I remember I got some of the best life lessons from my mother. I think it transfers into what's going on right now where we're at. I remember we're sitting around the dinner table. Everyone knew it was getting serious, right? we were dating. We knew the marriage question was just around the corner and so forth. I was early on in my sales career, by the way, as well. And I remember this as plain as day, Patrick. My wife's mom says this, she goes, boy, let me tell you something. If you can't do the little things correctly, how can you ever do the big things correctly? Because it was all in how, you know, how I'm going to ha- raise her daughter, right? We're going to get married. We're going to start a family, right? I got to provide for her. And she just says, boy, if you can't do the little things right, how are you ever going to do the big things right? And then in the next sentence, Patrick, she goes on and says this, don't ever half-ass your career. Do it 100%. I love it. Those two Those two things I took to heart along with what I learned from my parents growing up, what I learned from my first year in sales. Now transfer that into what we're going through. Here we are in 2020. I'm here to tell your listeners this. If you fail to do the little things and double down on the little things with your customers, how can you ever do the big things correctly? Furthermore, why are you half-assing your career? Do it 100%. Double down on that. Hold yourself to non-negotiable standards and watch what starts to happen. Exclamation point.
0: I love it, Larry. Well, I know I know we only have a couple minutes left here. Um, take me through, I mean, leaving, I mean, obviously a decades-long sales career, now doing sales training. What was the transition there and what caused it?
1: Um. A lot. We can unpack this in a real quick period of time, and, and um, we can see what happens from there. I will tell you this. There's a massive difference between sales training and sales coaching. I'll let you stew on that one for a bit. I will tell everyone I was fired from a high-paying corporate job at 50 years old in the spring of 2015. I was blindsided, never saw it coming. I cried for days, Patrick. The What the heck just happened? First time ever I was fired from a job. Ever. Not even in freaking high school having meaningless jobs I was never fired, <laughs> and it was rough. It was rough. Let me tell you, for three days I was just a freaking basket case, crying like a little freaking baby until my wife told me to put my big boy pants on. Right.
2: <laughs> That's a good idea.
1: And I and I remember this as plain as day. It would have been easy for me after a couple days of picking myself up to go right back into the sales channel that I knew, right it would have been easy for me to go out, be a VP of sales inside the office technology channel and ride off into a very complacent sunset. But I remember there was two important people in my life at that time. One, my wife, second, Daryl Amy, my podcast partner. I called him up just to tap his network, Patrick, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm Daryl's salt of the earth. I've known him for a long time and I shared with him what just happened. And it was my wife and he were the only ones that knew exactly what happened. And I said, hey, you know, i just like to tap your network. Who do you know? And all that kind of stuff, right? And I'm condensing this for time. A couple days later, Daryl calls me on the phone. And he goes, Larry, he goes, I'm going to encourage you to do something if you haven't already thought about it. He goes, I have never seen anybody that brought their genuine real self to the market that connects both face-to-face and in this socially driven world better than you how about you go out and start coaching sales on what made you you i go right explicative 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 right <laughs> no way is that ever going to happen but you know what i doubled down on myself and it was that aha moment that just took me off into what i'm doing now it took me about a year and a half of ups and downs and roller coasters there's times I wanted to freaking give up I cried for days with my wife I can't do this right I'm not cut out for this I'm just going to go back and yeah uh, i right? explicative 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 later right
2: mm mm-hmm. mhm
1: so you, go, you know
0: let me it, let it, me it, ask you this larry what because you know i get I get the feeling that it wasn't something that you were super high on doing, obviously, right away. What was it that pushed you over the edge? Because I think so many people see those moments or opportunities in their life, but they choose not to pursue them for some reason. So what was it that really kind of pushed you into that? Because that was obviously a a huge area of discomfort uh,
1: of moving into that. no. No, it, it was, and, and what really was the deciding factor, again, I'm going to go back to this. It was my wife, and it was,
2: and, and it was you know,
1: my podcast partner now, Daryl. They both said, you have something special. You ha-, and I'm a big believer words matter and message matters. It's how you choose to use this. And that's why I started this off about three or four minutes ago with saying there's a big difference between sales training and sales coaching. For 28 years inside the office technology channel, I sat in some pretty crappy sales channel, sales training, Mm -hmm. disconnected messages, people delivering the message, not connected to it, right? No one holding each other accountable to the training. Training becomes an event, right? And I just said, you know what? Once I mentally set myself up for this, I made a promise to myself, And that promise was simple. I wasn't going to bore the crap out of anybody. I was going to bring in real, raw, relatable, relevant sales coaching through a practitioner's eyes to the sales world. Mm -hmm. Because why? Because I connected to it. I saw how my life transformed over three decades in sales. And I said, I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to bring sincerity and substance to the sales world in a world full of empty sales training and very little coaching. And about a year and a half into it, the light went off. The light went off and I said, you know what? I'm starting to see what's really going on in the sales world. Salespeople today are struggling. They're struggling mightily to clearly articulate value. They're struggling to engage in business conversation with high levels of business acumen. They're poorly connected to their customers. The relational skill set with many in sales with their customers is so low. I can step over it. I don't even have to take a running head start, Patrick. I can just take a walking step. That's how low it is. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. I said, if if things are going to turn around, then where they're going to turn around with is I'm going to have salespeople and their leaders look themselves in the eyes and say, you know what? We all can do better. And it starts with us. It's how we transform ourselves. It's how we clearly articulate value, get to know ourselves. Obviously the first three, four chapters of selling from the heart. Once they do the inner heart work, then what would it be like if they connected back out to their customers in a different fashion, second half of selling from the heart. And that's what I brought starting April, 2017 to the sales world. The podcast was born in April of 2017, Selling from the Heart. The book came out in 2018, and it's done beyond my wildest dreams. I pinch and poke myself freaking every day. But I hold, I I double down on myself. I double down on the message. I'm bringing things to the forefront that people freaking dance around. I hit them head on. I hit the emotional side, the sincerity, the substance, the love, the appreciation, all the things that your customers want that the sales world run away from as they chase shiny objects.
0: Well, I know, I know, Larry, you're making the impact that definitely needs to be made with, um, with those sales professionals now. And uh, last thing here is you have a revised edition of Selling from the Heart coming out in the next year here, Correct.
1: i actually will i'm I'm cooking on a couple things patrick so i'm working in soon to be released and when i say soon to be released like very 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 shortly um i took the time during the situation in 2020 to really reflect on the impact that selling from the hearts made so i I made a couple revisions to the introduction of selling from the heart as it currently sits there is um I brought four case studies into Selling from the Heart of companies and individuals that I've worked with that have integrated Selling from the Heart, my my ideologies and methodologies behind all this. So that's going in the current version of Selling from the Heart, which will probably be out here very quick. When I say very quick, probably sometime October-ish of 2020. And then in mid to late fall, I'm working on the second coming of Selling from the Heart. It'll be the second version of Selling from the Heart, which is going to go deep, deep, deep into relationships.
0: Awesome. I love it. Well, Larry, thanks so much for taking the time here today. I know um, you definitely threw out some awesome, awesome nuggets around doing the little things right and just forming those true, genuine relationships with people because that is so important no matter uh, no matter if you're in sales um, or in your personal life or professional life. So, Larry, where can our listeners uh, find you and follow you?
1: Uh, Well, you can, you can, they can find me all over social. So they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Anything you ever want to know about Selling from the Heart, you guys can find out at sellingfromtheheart.net. If you want all kinds of free resources, and I give stuff away, like there's no tomorrow. Um, For your listeners, and we all have a smartphone, if you open up your text message on your smartphone, if you text the word heart, H-E-A-R-T, heart, to 21000, so text the word heart to 21000, you'll get access to all kinds of free resources that you can download. And you can find the book on Amazon in book format, Kindle, and audio.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Larry, thanks so much again for uh, for hopping on today. And with that, you guys, don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at Patrick Metzger Coaching. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate the podcast. As always, uh, show notes from today can be found on my website at patrick-metzger.com. That's patrick-metzger.com. And lastly, uh, take a screenshot of today's show, tag me, share it with somebody that needs to hear uh, today's message from Larry. Um, Whether it's a sales professional, you know, whether it's somebody that's just um, stuck and and really needs to grow. But uh, until next time, I want to remind everybody uh, to own you and the journey.